right. Well, we'll get started this morning. Uh, thank you for coming to Temple Baptist Church. I didn't think I would be up here this morning, but I am. So uh, let's all grab a hymnal, open to hymn 463. We'll stand and sing when the roll is called up yonder. Hymn 463. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, the cry shall be no more. And the morning rings return a bright and fair. When the days of earth shall gather over on the other shore. And the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. On that bright and cloudless morning, when the dead and Christ shall rise. And the glory of his resurrection share. When his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the skies. And the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder. When the roll is called up yonder. When the roll is called up yonder. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Let us labor for the master from the dawn of setting sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. And our work on earth is done. And the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll it's called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. All right, I guess uh, take somebody's hand. If you haven't shaken their hand. should know it. I think you're singing a lot. Part right, Please uh, remember to pray for uh, 
um, well, I'm trying to remember how, I'm trying to think how to say it. My, my stepmother's dad, hope y'all, any of y'all remember, the, heard the name Harold Smith. He pastored out here at Lane's Chapel for a number of years, say the 80s. He pastored out there. He was pastor in Brookston, Paris for a long But anyway, he, he pastored for many, many years, but he just passed away yesterday morning. So uh, I'll be going to that funeral this week. Y'all please pray for this. Um, my wife mentioned somebody to me to pray for this. My wife may can't think of who it is, but she don't come to that door and tell me who it is. But it does. Uh, anybody else? Any prayer request? <laughs> Right. We need to remember our country. We definitely need to remember our country. Just pray that pray for God's people in our country. Pray for God's people to stand their ground. Man, and we hear a lot about stand your ground laws and stuff with handguns and things like that protecting your property. But we need to stand our ground as believers on the Word of God because I can tell you the enemy's coming for us. We've got to stand our ground. Amen? Because there's a solid rock to stand on that does not move under us. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, let's get ready to go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to meet with us and all the prayer requests we have. Robert, lead us. I heard about a mansion in the 
has built for healing glory. Then I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea. About the angels singing and the old redemption story. And something say I'll sing of this, the song of victory. Oh, victory is for forever. He taught me, and he taught me, with his redeeming blood. Praise God! Oh, 
we might see your face, might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. So the Lord his word this morning. Father, we just praise you. Word of God. Lord, we thank you. God, Father, we thank you that we're able to read it and preach it and understand it. The Holy Ghost of God opens our understanding and feeds us from the world. Grateful be your children. Love us like you do. Want us to mature. But you want us to grow up, Lord. Thank you that you have a plan. Like the Sunday school. Lord, I'm amazed at how Sunday school morning services hand in hand. Lord, it's all you. you. And I just sit back in awe at what you do. Father, I pray you'd speak to heart both in the building or those listening. Lord, we pray that the message go power. God, we just pray that you have your will. God, we chapter of 1 Thessalonians, Paul talked about his great theme was that of salvation. He talked about salvation and how they had received the word of God, how they turned to God from idols. And, and there's nothing in this world that thrills a heart like a real experience of faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. You get saved. You know that it's settled. You know that your sins are forgiven. You know that it's washed away and that the devil can't ever have you. Boy, I tell you, there's no feeling like that on planet Earth. Amen? There's nothing that will ever satisfy you like the knowledge that you were born again. And these Thessalonians had experienced. Then we get to chapter 2. We see, we, we see the, the challenge of Christian service. And Paul talks about his own service to God and, 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 and the solid building blocks of Christian ministry, how to build one, and, and as well as, as service and faithfulness of the Thessalonican church and, and how it's going to be recognized someday when they stand before the Lord Jesus Christ at his judgment, how those rewards will be given out based on our service. And now we come to chapter 3. In chapter 3, the, the, the theme changes to that of sanctification. Sanctification. And if you don't remember what sanctification is, I'll give you an example of the other one. But offering way is somebody, somebody tell me what offering what you got money, am I right? Okay. So that money, when you take it out of your bill book, out of your money, right? to establish you 
and comfort you concerning your faith that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation even as it came to pass, and you know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. But now when Timotheus came from us unto you and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye had good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and oppressed by your faith. In these first seven verses, Paul gives the testimony of the Thessalonican church as it was brought back to him. So in a word, this is what happened. Paul was sitting, he was sitting there in Athens, and he was meditating on the needs of the Thessalonican church. And his heart was burdened, prayer over them. So he said, hey, Timothy, I want you to go. He sent Timothy, who he called our brother and minister of God and fellow laborer, in the gospel of Christ, back to find out how they were doing. Oh, and a lot of trust in him. Again, he called, he, he's our brother. First of all, he's saved. He's also a minister of God. Paul had trained him. He, he taught him what he knew. He taught him what Christ had taught, had taught him. And he told him in 2 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 2, I believe it is, he says, And the things that I've heard of me, many witnesses, the same commits out of faithful men. The things that I told you don't change nothing. Teach them the same thing I've taught you. And and that's what I'm trying to do this morning, just going, perpetuating down through history. And so he sent him just in his in his place, and, and he sent him back there. He wanted to know how they're doing. So, and, he's, and the purpose of his visit, the Scripture says, is to establish, comfort you concerning your faith that no man should be moved by these afflictions. What afflictions? Well, they were going through it. They were being persecuted big time. Paul's absent still. So Timothy wanted to go and do what Paul was yearning to do himself but couldn't do. Remember, he said Satan hindered us, which meant basically Satan had tore the road up between here and there. Well, I can get to you. Uh, so he wanted them to, to, to keep going. He didn't want them to give up. He was sitting there thinking about it. Well, I hope they're not quitting down there. I hope they haven't given up since I've left them. He wanted them to continue on in spite of the affliction that had come their way. And he reminded them, look here, we're destined to suffer. The whole wide world is against Christ. Amen? We, we have the... We have the uh, <coughs> blessing of God to live in America and to live during a time of basically uh, religious peace. We have lived in a time where, where I mean, you can you can go to a church and people not shoot at you, throw rocks at you on the way there, try to blow up your car. But, you know, there are places in the world, uh, even in Ireland, some places in Ireland, if you go to a church that ain't a Catholic church, they'll be able to blow you up while you're sitting in there. I mean, there are places that, that absolutely... Or that used to be that way, but there's there's religious uh, persecution goes on in this world, but we don't experience it. And, and thank God for that. But there's a day coming. But they were going through, it. and 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 Timothy's again. Timothy went down there to make sure that they were going to stay with it, giving up, even though they were called to suffer. Paul said they're destined to suffer, and uh, he he was concerned because these hard times. Because these hard times might reveal that their faith had. I'm gonna tell you, when when, you, when somebody makes a profession, of, you can you bet your boots the devil's not testing, crying. And I can tell you right now, if it ain't real, they won't last till the water gets hot. As it won't last if it ain't real. They've got to have roots. And. He said, I'm afraid lest our labor be in vain. So he's sitting back there in Thessalonica, and he's, he's basically chewing his fingernails saying, oh, I just hope they don't. Oh, I hope they don't give up. Oh, I hope what I did down there wasn't for nothing. But you know, I want you to notice this is the second time that, that Satan tempted attention 
in, Thess- in Thessalonians. And it's going to be presented again in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, in conjunction with the coming Antichrist. I want you to listen to how he's mentioned in the epistles. We've seen that already. Where would, where, wherefore we would have come to you, even I, Paul, once again, but Satan hindered us. Again, like I said, he tore up the road. First Thessalonians 3, 5, he says, For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know of your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. Again, the devil is always, hear me, the devil is after you. to tear up the road between you and God. Now, he can't separate you from the love of God, but he can separate you from fellowship. He wants to tear up your fellowship so that you don't have fellowship. He wants to keep you God's presence because as long as you're kept from God's presence, he knows you're powerless. <clears throat> he's the hinderer. He's the tempter. But he's also the deceiver too, and we'll see that in chapter 2, verse 9, I mean, 2 Thessalonians 2, 9. It says, even him who's coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying <laughs> wonders. The devil tries his best to present himself as powerful, uh, godlike being, and he wants the world to follow. The world will. That's the thing. The world will follow. What am I saying? The world's following him now. I mean, they followed him like they're hooked onto him like a trailer. Praise God. We, uh, God's people are the only are the only ones who have the sense not to follow him because we have the leading of the Spirit of God. But he's got the world fooled. And listen, the world that Paul was living in was not a whole lot different than we're living in today, just minus the technology. Timothy left and he went to Thessalonica. And he brought encouragement to these believers. He, he, he continued on teaching the things that Paul had taught them. He, had ta- he went back to them with the message that, that, that he went back to Paul. He brought back this message to Paul. He said, hey, listen, great news, Paul. These believers are standing fast. They haven't given up. They, 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 they want to see you more than anything. Their hearts are, are, are longing to see your face. Oh, they wish they, they loved you with everything in them. And guess what, Paul? They ain't no different than they excited. They still love the Lord with all their heart. They're still thankful to be saved. They still haven't given up. They have not bent their knee to those around them, their pressures. Thank God that he worked so powerfully in the life of this church, that we have this book in our Bible to give us instruction. Thank God that he used Paul and blessed his testimony there. And he worked so powerfully and abundantly in the lives of these of these Christians. Verses six and seven. Now when Timotheus came from us unto you and brought unto us good tidings of your faith and not only do they believe but their 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 faith produced, it produced they, they they weren't happy just They went outside those walls. I think, well, I get hurt if they did that. Yeah, they knew that. They did that, and they knew that too. Yet they still went out into their community and they shared Jesus Christ with those around them because they had a love that couldn't be stopped by four walls of a building. Amen. Somebody ought to say amen on that one, amen. <clears throat> so let's, let, again, let's, let's keep going here. We, we get... He said, for now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render unto God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes, for our God. Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. 
Now, we point out a whole lot of uh, several things from this scripture. Uh, Paul talking about how he was comfortable, about how he, he had he had spiritual joy and, and, and happiness, and it was it was linked to the experience of victory that this church was having. I mean, they were they were thriving, and he was filled with joy about it. I mean, pray it blessed his soul beyond imagination. I mean, if we think back to verse eight, look at verse eight. Listen to what he said. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. I mean, how, how interested would we be in that church? How concerned would we be if we'd been in his position? If we'd just been there about three weeks and we'd led a few souls to Christ. But now, I mean, that's all he'd done. He just, I mean, again, it was a short visit. He just led a handful of people to the Lord. But now it seems like his entire existence and his life depends on the success of this one church. Do you see how much this man loves his church? I mean, his whole heart is wrapped up in their prosperity spiritually of these babes in Christ that he only spent a few weeks with and now he's left and hadn't seen in a while and knew they were going through trials and tribulations. He, his, his whole existence is wrapped up in them, and he's carrying the concerns. Paul didn't just go there and preach and just move on and forget about them. He, no, he loved them like a, like a parent loves a child. And he had a concern for them that, 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 that carried in his heart with him everywhere he went. Second Corinthians 11, 28 and 29, he talked about that. He said, besides those things which are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. He said, I, I'm, I'm concerned about every church that I've ministered in. He said, I have that. I have that all the time burdening me down. He said in verse 29, who is weak and I'm not weak? Who's offended and I burn not? What he's saying is, I know there are believers in the churches who are young in the Lord and they struggle because they, they, got, they got fear all around them. The whole wide world is pagan other than them. So they got heathen people bowing down to altars and saying, why don't you just come down to the I mean, you got to remember, these are people whose families are all heathen. Now they're believers. Every time they go around them, they're going to be confronted. Because they're not heathen. So, you know, they're concerned. They're going to give up. They're going to quit because they look at their family and they look at their God and they say, I don't want to leave them. I mean, it's a struggle. And some people live in that struggle. And I realize some people live in that struggle. But God knows that. And again, Paul was he was burdened about that because he didn't know what was going to happen. He knew that they were some of them that were weak. So he said, who's weak and I'm not weak? He said, I'm saying, I get right down there prayer on their level. I get down offended and I burn not. He said, look, I know some of y'all
We ought to sit. When somebody's going through something, it ought to bother us. It ought to cause us to sit at night, sit awake at night and pray for them. Because our brother or our sister is going through some great struggle. We see somebody who's, who's uh, drifting, who's, who's getting backslidden. We ought not be able to lay our head on the pillow and sleep comfortably at night before we go and lay them at God's throne. Lay them on the altar. Lay that person on the altar. We ought to have that same kind of burden for people around us that Paul had. Is what I'm trying to say to you. He wasn't some special case. He wasn't some superhuman who was able to do things that we're not able to do. No, you say, well, he was a great evangelist. I'm not. He was a Christian. So are you? It does not matter his role or his title. The door of prayer, the place of prayer, is just as available to you and I or as it was to the Apostle Paul or anybody else. Amen. So, in the Bible, men who really served God, they had a heart. And you see that as you read the Word of God. What? Too often in our hurried, busy, modern life, our theology is over here in our apartment and our heart is over here. We have a hard time putting the two together. We know that there's souls out there that are lost without Jesus, and we know in the reality of, we know about the reality of a place called hell. We realize that without Jesus Christ, they're going to die, and they're going to plunge right into the depths of hell, and they'll never have a chance to come out of it. We know that. We realize there's human need. We realize there's human suffering going on around us, but it's very seldom translated into prayer. Man, you're on our toes this morning. Well, you know, sometimes we got to do it. Some, I mean, when you go to the doctor, it's, I mean, when you have to have something removed from you that's in there that ain't no good, I can tell you from having something cut out of my chest, it's not painless. But, some, but it needs to be removed if it's good, if it's not helping you. You know, again, we see, we see suffering, we see needs around us, we see people that are struggling, but we can't seem to translate that into us doing something to it. That wasn't the way it was with Paul. No. Paul, Paul, Paul didn't just stand around and shake his head and say, well, that's just so sad. That's, just, that's terrible. No, he actually put feet to it and did something about it. Verses 9 and 10, they present a close-up picture of Paul's great heart. I want you to listen to the words Praying exceedingly. I'm not sure how you pronounce that Greek word. It really doesn't matter. Amen? But the Greek word for that, it literally means to beg or ask a favor. Okay? Praying exceedingly. Not just saying, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Thank you, Lord, for uh, well, God is great. God is good. Thank you for our food. I mean, that's the kind of prayer a lot of people pray. That's not really talking to God, is it? That's reciting a poem you heard. But when you get on your knees before God and you say, Lord, my brother's hurting. My sister's going through something terrible. And I'm not saying you're kin. I'm saying you're brother, sister, and Christ. Lord God, my neighbor's lost. And I'm afraid they're going to die in their sins and they're going to split hell wide open. God, please give me the courage to trot my blessed assurance over there and tell them that Jesus died for them. Give me the grace and the courage to go over there and speak the truth that I know and believe. Paul prayed exceedingly. He begged God. He presents here eminence on God. He's praying exceedingly. He's begging. saying, God, if you don't come through, I'm not going to If you don't meet their needs, I can't go. Satan has hindered me. I said, Timothy, but God, if you don't do it, they're not going to make it. See, that's the kind of compassion. That's the kind of heart I'm talking about. One that sees that and says, I can't stand the thought of them not being helped. I can't stand the thought of them going on to destruction. I can't stand the thought of them laying there night after night agonizing in their soul because they don't have the help they need from God. And I'm here and I know it and I can be on my knees begging God to answer their prayer. And I'm... 
that concern. They might lack something in their experience. Might lack something in their experience. And his heart yearned for them to be those needs to be met. Modern Christians are so prone to needs like go about our lives, look around, don't notice needs of others like we should because I think we're in a lane with blinders on. We're not looking around what's going on. I, I can't speak for you. People in general, I see the I see the effect. So many Christians are ignorant of the great truths of the Bible. And they're not growing in the Lord because they're not trying to learn it. Most, uh, so many Christians don't have a very good, if, if they have a very much of a prayer life at all. A lot of Christians do not study their Bible. They might read at it, but they don't study it. And most Christians, sadly, are not soul winners. Most Christians have never once tried to lead a soul to Christ. Because that's, that's, that's the basis of us living a full life. It's to, it's to not just live it for us, but to, but to bring someone else into You may not win everybody in the world. You could get one. If you got one, it'd make your life... Hear me? I'm being honest with you. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm not trying to browbeat you, and I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to get God to show you I'm not trying to get him to. I'm trying to get you to listen to God let him show you If you only said one, I'm not saying that's where you should stop. And that's the challenge Paul's given us. Because the tragedy is that our hearts become cold. And we, and we miss the needs, the spiritual needs of people all around us. But there's no coldness with Paul. There's no indifference with Paul. There's just a heart overflowing with praise to God for hearing his prayer. It wasn't just a few minutes or a few sentences of prayer. He spent hours, day and night sometimes, praying to God for the continuance and faithfulness of this little group of Christians in Thessalonica. Lord, please keep them together. Lord, please keep them faithful. Lord, please keep them strong. Lord, please don't let them give up. Don't let them back up. Man, if we prayed like that, just think about that, brothers and sisters. If we prayed like that, if our hearts were stirred up like Paul's would, we'd have a revival. This nation could be changed even from the state it's in. If God's people really got serious and became prayer warriors and opened up their mouths and stopped being frozen at the mouth and began sharing the love of God which lives in us, we'd see changes in our world. Our nation's in grave danger, and y'all know Ain't no denying that. We can see that. All you got to do is look around, turn on the news. You know what danger we're in. But it ain't going to change in Washington, D.C. No. It, it's got, it, we need revival First of all, in our hearts, the hearts of the people of God, that has to start first. And if it starts first with us, then it can proceed. But the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 4, 17, for the time has come when judgment, that judgment must begin at the house of God. For if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? God's saying we need to, we need to, we need to first of all, we need to take notice of our own self. We need to look at how we're doing things. We need to look at how we're following him, we're serving him. And we get that straightened out, then we can function effectively, get in God's will and have his power, and then we'll begin to see changes. He's saying if we're really committed to the Lord, if we let the Holy Spirit rule supremely in our hearts and lives, there should be evidence. I mean, if we're really, listen to me, if, if, if you and I are, are really, when we go to God in prayer, if we're saying to God, Lord, please live through me, Lord, please love somebody through me, use me, there will be evidence. There will be evidence of that of the Holy Spirit of God toward our fellow believers as well as toward those who. challenge of this passage is is to let the Spirit of God change us. To let the Spirit of God transform us. Transform our hearts. Make our hearts 
that we may not follow the pattern of the careless, different generation. We don't need to follow. The Bible says it's not conformed to the This world don't care. This world is, is chasing after sin hard and fast as they can. This world is, is, is indifferent to the, to the things of God. We ought not follow after this world. No, we need to be transformed. We need to be changed. Amen. We need to have a. We need to have the heart like Christ does. Have a mind, passion like Christ does. Romans twelve one and two, Paul said, "I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, our text we read in Sunday school, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transchanged." By the renewing of your mind. You've got to get the old thinking out. You've got to quit that, I'll do what I want to do in life and I'll do it how I want to. You've got to get that satanic ideology out of your head. And, you, and yes, that's satanic. To say, I'll do what I want to do, regardless of what God wants. That's the opposite of God's will. We've got to be transformed. We need to let the Word of God, we need to get in it daily and we let it wash our minds from the health of this world. <clears throat> and he says that you may prove, again, prove to yourself what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Let me just ask you a couple of questions. Are we genuinely concerned about other people? Do we really care? Really care whether whether brothers and sisters successfully live in Christian? And pray about them. Think about it. Do we ask God to, Lord, if, if I have an opportunity, give me that opportunity. I, I don't know whether you watched the video I posted on Facebook that Brother Leo shared, but it was a girl named Carrie Christian, I think. And she was, she had grown up in church, but she had gotten out of church. I don't know whether she, I don't think she was ever saved, but she had been raised in church. She turned from, she said she latched on to everything. She latched on to Satanism completely as much as a person could. But I, I wasn't halfway in. I gave my all to I got all the books. I, I wore nothing but black clothes. I, 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 she said I was as much, as much toward Satan as anybody could be. She said, but there was a preacher in town. And every time he saw me, he knew what I was into. She said, but every time he saw me, he would be sure to tell me, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. She, she said he told me that over over and over again, time and time again. And I thought to myself, why would he love me? I don't love him. I love Satan. And she said, you know, I found myself on my knees in the middle of a pentagram praying to Satan. Said God spoke to my heart. Who do you think is even talking? She said it was from that moment that she started coming to Christ, and, and she finally got saved. She said, "You know, I gave him everything I had." She, she's a, she's a serious believer. There are people like that, and listen, that was in, that was an old small town in West Virginia. You know, there's Satanists all around us. We don't even know it. There are people that believe that. There are people that worship the devil in this town, and you don't even know it. You don't know them. You see them, you pass them on the street, but you don't know. Them. You know what they're looking for? They're looking for somebody who goes to the church like ours to say, "Hey, Jesus loves you." They need to hear that. They need listen. The devil can't fight back against. Them. Do you realize that? The Bible says that in John it says the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The darkness couldn't stop the light that shines. And when we let the Lord's love come pouring forth from our being through our lips, through our concern then the darkness can't stop it and the devil can't do it. He don't know what to do and it, can, it, it just disturbs him and, and, and messes his program up. Folks, let me tell you something. We are a powerful force when we let God have control. Are we praying for those people? Are we thinking about those people? Are we concerned about their souls? Have we thought about giving them a gospel track? Have we thought about leaving maybe something stuck in their door or under their windshield wiper or next door in their parking, I mean, in their driveway? There's so many things you can do. 
or just say, hey, God loves you. I want you to know that. This Are we concerned? Those that are indifferent. Church with can encourage them by praying for them, praying with them. So much we can do if we just step out of our daily routine and do something for We learn the secret from Paul. Pray. Have a real burden. Lay it on God's altar. We'll have the same experience Paul had. Paul had the joy of answering. Because you say, we got a God that answers. Amen. He hears and he answers prayer. And these are important practical verses. But before we leave this section today, I want I want I want to note this important phrase in verse ten. Look at it. It says that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your body. That word perfect, I want to focus on just a minute. That this morning. That we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your face. There's two main ideas about perfection. Okay? Two of them. The first one is this. It's the idea of coming to the end of a journey or the fulfillment of a purpose or the fulfillment of a design. It's the fulfillment of, or perfection in the sense of like when it says, well, I was just a perfect man. Uh, it means one who has grown through the stages of boyhood, youth. Now he has come full stature of a girl. That's what it means. It talks about a perfect man. He's a perfect man in the sense that he's reached the goal of growing up. Okay? And then there's the second one, which is the idea of being equipped. Okay? Or being completely equipped. In other words, all the details are in order. I'll give you an example. Say you were going to buy a fully furnished home. Uh, and it's called fully... It's for sale and it's fully equipped. It means it has everything a home ought to have. It has furniture, it has curtains, carpet, uh, vinyl flooring, whatever. It has a stove, microwave, refrigerator, washer and dryer, hot water heater, indoor plumbing. That's all that good stuff. Amen. It's equipped. All right? Perfectly supplied. I mean, you can move in today. All you got to do is walk in and start cooking and go to bed. I mean, lay down and watch TV, whatever. Everything's there. It's perfectly Perfectly, what Paul had in mind. Paul praying accordingly that God would supply or bring to completion that lacking, so they'd be fully equipped, life and for the service. This point in their life, their faith needed to forge. They've just gotten saved. They were babes in. They needed to grow. Their lives were not complete in their spiritual experience. Paul wanted God to bring them forward at that point. He wanted them to be complete and have everything they needed and not be lacking in the area of their of their and, and nowhere in the Bible does, does it use the term perfect to mean sinlessly perfect. Never. praying these Christians complete. They might completely mature. Them to come to God, leave of take it, go forth, test and grow and for for their 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 willing what God would have for them. You know what? That's not what I want for you. I want you to grow as a believer and get to the point where your life is 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 it's pleasing to God in every area. Where not only are you are you are you a good husband or a good wife or, or a good brother, good sister, grandma, whatever you are, grandpa, whatever you are, that you're, you're a good witness for Christ. That that you're a good servant of God. That everywhere you go, letting God. Not that you're just a big blabber mouth and just talking all the time. That ain't what I mean. When the time is right, hope is right. That you're not hesitant. Just let the love of Christ pour out of you. That's what God wants. Amen. That's what I want. That's where my hope your heart's there. 
Let's stand together. And I want to urge you this during this invitation. I'm going to urge you. I'm going to urge you this morning. <clears throat> While the piano plays. While the song is sung.
Thank <laughs> you. 